Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiphany family. It is so good to be gathered with you virtually. A happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. Did y'all just see the children's Mother's Day video? I mean, it literally pulled on my heartstring. Uh, it reminds me of how much I miss the community and particularly how much I miss our children. Uh, the way my family would say it in Harlem is not Happy Mother's Day. They replace the TH with a V. They say Happy Mother's Day. And so Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers that are piped into this live stream. We honor you today. We, we celebrate you. We thank God for you. Uh, we know that there are many sacrifices that you have made as a mother that we would never, ever even know about. So shout out to you. Uh, I, I do approach this day realizing the complexity of it. We celebrate moms, but at the same time, I realize that there are some that grew up with amazing mothers. And then there are some that grew up in dysfunctional households that didn't have mom present. I realize that some of you have had to say goodbye to mom too soon. And some of you wish that you could be moms. And uh, for some reason, the Lord just hasn't opened that door I also realize that there are some of you that are moms present right now that are um, great moms with great support systems. And there are some of you that are having a hard time just being a mother and you have no support. But one of the things I love about the word of God is that the word of God has a unique ability to speak to each emotion, including the emotions that all of us feel on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers I uh, want to shout out two specific mothers uh, that have made deep impact in my life. First is my mother. Happy Mother's Day to my mom. She is the epitome of faithfulness and kindness and compassion and empathy. Uh, I remember growing up as a child, my mother uh, had a unique ability to gather over 100 different youth every Friday night and keep us engaged and that, that, that marked me as a child and many uh, of the things that I've learned as a man today, I've learned from my mother. So happy Mother's Day to my mom. I also want to say happy Mother's Day to the mother of my children, uh, Ty. Happy Mother's Day to her. In fact, I invited her uh, here today and I want to invite her up here really for two reasons. Number one, because I'm lonely and uh, I need somebody in this room with me. Uh, but also I want Ty to pray for all of our mothers, uh, and, and then I want to shout her out afterwards. So, babe, won't you pray for all the mothers piped in today? Sure. Uh, Proverbs uh, 31, 25, 26 reads, Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the times to come. Her mouth is full of wisdom, and instructions is on her tongue. Uh, to the sister who is an essential worker who's going up every day, going to work, and uh, the nanas, the grandma who sends care packages, and to the mom who is mourning the loss of her unborn baby, and to my sister who is mourning the loss of her child. I just want to pray for you all today. Mm. Uh, Father, we just thank you uh, for your faithfulness that you are our father and you call us uh, your daughters. We thank you for wrapping us in your loving arms and protecting and providing for us. Father, Right now, we thank you and we rejoice that you have given us strength and you have sustained us to where we are right now. 
And although it seems like the world has stopped, we know that you are still working. And may my sister be encouraged knowing that you are fighting on her behalf, that you see her right where she is, that you are providing, that you are making ways, um, that you are intentional, that you are pursuing her, that you are pursuing her children, that you are in her home, that your Holy Spirit is resting and dwelling and moving. And Father, um, I pray uh, for the grandma who was interceding on behalf of her children and praying for their protection, that she may feel your strength and your hope right now, right where she is, Father. And in the midst of chaos, in the midst of all that we are going on, Father, may we be sure that you are covering and protecting us and keeping us together and sustaining us in this time. And so, Father, be home, be present in everyone's home, be joy, be peace, be strength that we need. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Before you, before you go back to I don't know if I should say your seat or just leave out of the room. Before you leave, uh, I just wanted to celebrate you uh, and say happy Mother's Day to you in front of everybody on our live stream. You know, Ty is not just a mother to my two boys, but she also uh, is a spiritual mom to so many. Uh, I think about the countless nights that I've seen you on FaceTime or heard you talking to a young lady that was bawling her eyes out about a situation in her life or something she was going through and just needed strength and needed somebody to talk to. And you always are available. You always pick up. And so on behalf of Epiphany Church, uh, y'all do me a favor. Y'all throw some hearts up right now in the chat room. On behalf of Epiphany Church, we just want to honor you and celebrate you with a dozen roses today. So we love you. Happy Mother's Day. Y'all celebrate Ty as she heads out. All right, well, it's time for the word of God. It's time to dig in. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I certainly am excited about the word that's before us. Go, go with me, if you will, if you have a physical copy or if you have um, your device. Meet me in 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. Uh, as you turn there, let, let me lay a couple of things before you. Um, first, my heart has been grieved all week. Um, when I consider um, the events that have uh, that are taking place in, in New York, um, particularly in our African American communities, uh, also uh, want to uh, at least acknowledge that we need to be praying for uh, the situation in Georgia with uh, with uh, Ahmad that um, that has experienced um, um, such hatred and, um, and and such evilness that I think. It calls for the church to speak up and to pray. And so if you, if you guys could join me praying for, um, for Ahmad Arbery, uh, join me in praying for him, pray for his family, pray for God's providence, and pray for justice and all of those things to be, uh, to be accomplished in this season. Uh, also, let me, let me also acknowledge um, that we will be going through a four-week sermon series starting next week. The sermon series is called Interruptions. Uh, how all things work together. And we're going to take four biblical characters and what we're going to do with those four biblical characters is look at their lives and see how God came in, interrupted their lives and their plans and whatever they had uh, that they thought they were, the trajectory they thought they were on, how God interrupts it. And he does so in order to uh, push them towards purpose and make impact on those that are around them. And so we'll spend four weeks, look at four different biblical characters, and we'll work through interruptions. And I think it's going to speak to the season that we're in now because all of us have been interrupted uh, by the season we're in. And instead of complaining and instead of 
looking at the negative in this season, let's look and see what God in his providential wisdom is doing in this season. And so if you guys could hang with us for the next four weeks, make sure you're telling your friends we are going through a sermon series called Interruptions. Uh, Also, really quickly, after the 1130 service, so if you're in the 930 service right now, uh, after the 1130 service, we are doing a 15-minute Zoom connection, if you will. We're, We're actually calling it Next 15. In other words, what, what, what we're trying to do is after the 1130 service for the next 15 minutes after that, we're just going to connect. We're going to have a Zoom link. It's actually probably popping up right now in the chat rooms. We want you to click on that link and we want you to meet us after the 1130 service for 15 minutes and we'll be able to connect. Uh, I, I think we've been connecting through the chat room, but it's good to have some, uh, some, some, some visuals. And so we'll, we'll look at each other, have fun, and there's really no structure to it more than it's almost like when you leave out of the church and we meet in the lobby area. That's what we're trying to recreate. So next 15 is happening this Sunday. Please, please, please pop in. All right, let's get to the Word of God. I'm excited about this Word. Um, it's been on my heart all week long, and so excited to to preach it. Why don't you pick me up in verse 16? First Kings chapter three, verse 16. It says, then two prostitutes came to the king, meaning Solomon, and stood before him. The woman said, oh my Lord, this woman, I live, this woman and I live in the same house and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth and we were alone. There was no one else in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. Verse 20, and she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept, laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I arose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. Please underline this next phrase. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, it was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. But the first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. The king said, the one says, this is my son that is alive. And your son is dead. And the other says, no, your son is dead. And my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh, my Lord, give her the living child. By no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall neither be mine nor yours. Divide him. Our last verse, verse 27. The king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. Please underline those last four words. She is his mother. I want to preach today from the topic entitled Motherhood Sacrifices. Motherhood Sacrifices. Let's look before the Lord before we dig in. Father, we are grateful for this Mother's Day. The fact that we get to see another Mother's Day. Father, we are thankful for that. 
So Father, I pray, oh God, for all of the mothers that are piped in right now. Pray that you would encourage them today. Pray that you would strengthen them today, that, that they would feel loved and cared for and comforted by our, their family members that are closest to them. Lord, would you do that today? I also pray for the word. Pray that this word would point us to the hero. That this, point, this, this word was, would highlight mothers, but point us to Jesus, because that is what every mother that is piped in needs. That We all need Jesus Christ. So be with us today as we dig into this word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Motherhood sacrifices. One of the greatest days of my life was when my wife uh, and I, Ty, had, we had our first son, my oldest son, Brandon. Uh, it, it was the first time we, we've ever had kids, and we were so excited, and we were preparing, and we were getting things ready, and finally the day arrived when we would have our, our son, and I remember the first time I ever laid eyes on him. I just couldn't believe uh, the gift that was before us, and y'all know how excited parents do. We were so excited, man. I remember the nurse came in and said, okay, uh, it's, it's nighttime. It's time for bed. Do you want us to take him to the nursery, or do you want to keep him in the room and we did like every first-time parent did. We said, keep him in the room. Uh, we didn't realize that he would cry all night. We, we didn't realize that he, there, there would be so much care that he needed overnight. And while we were in that room, there was a button. I, I can't explain how God's grace was in this button. You literally could push the button if the baby needed a pacifier and the nurse would come bring a pacifier. If the baby needed to be changed and you needed pampers, you could press a button and the nurse would bring pampers and wet wipes and, and would bring a formula if you needed. Whatever you needed, you had at your beck and call a nurse that would help you. And I guess I was a little ignorant to how life really works because we got home and I quickly realized there was no button. That there was no instructions on how to parent this child. There was a moment when my wife and I got home and my son was in the car seat and I put him in the middle of the living room and I literally looked at Ty and was like, well, what do we do next? And here's what's interesting about that. When the hospital sent us home, they did not send us home with an instruction manual on how to parent. When you buy a car, there's a manual in the glove compartment. When you buy a TV, there's a manual on how the TV's supposed to work. When you buy furniture, there is an instruction manual on how the TV, on how the, the furniture is supposed to be assembled. But one of the most important aspects of life, such as parenting and motherhood and fatherhood, you are sent home with no instructions. But I love the word of God because what the word of God is going to do today is the word of God is going to act as our instruction manual. The hospital might tell you how to change the child, but the hospital will not tell you what to do when your son is a teenager and you're trying to battle between faith and culture and trying to instill in him character. The, the hospital won't tell you that. That the hospital uh, might show you some things and how to change the baby and how to feed the baby, but the hospital will not tell you what to do when your teenage daughter is disrespectful towards you. What do you do? Here, here's what I love about the word of God. The word of God is going to give us a model of motherhood today. Now, there's a role model that's introduced in 1 Kings chapter 3, but the role model that is introduced, I wish I could properly introduce her by name. 
But unfortunately, I cannot introduce her by name because the text does not give us her name. You can read all of 1 Kings chapter 3 and you will not see her name. Only thing we know really is two things in in verse 16. You know her occupation and you know the position where she is. Don't, Don't miss this. Look at verse 16 so we can pull out some of the nutrients of of this passage. It says, verse 16, then two prostitutes. Please note that her name is not mentioned. She is anonymous. Uh, I think this is very consistent with motherhood. Many times, and I said this earlier, but many times some of the stuff that you do, you almost feel anonymous as a mother because nobody else knows the sacrifices that you've made. No, nobody else knows what you've, what you've put into being a mother and caring for your kids and making sure you were sacrificing so your kids could eat and, and have an education. There are so many things that you have put up that nobody would ever know about. I, I'm just thinking about my childhood. There was many things that my mother has done that I didn't know she did until I became an adult. Why? Because you almost feel like the mama in the text, anonymous. Your your name is not attached to the stuff that you do. So the Bible just said to me that she is a prostitute. We get her occupation. Now, please don't make me have to explain what a prostitute is. Like, I don't think we have to parse Greek and learn Hebrew in order to understand what a prostitute is. She works the corner. She gives her goods away in order to get money. She satisfies the sexual desires of a man in order to pay her bill. She's a prostitute. And so we don't know her name, but we know what she does. We don't only know what she, she does, but we know where she is. This prostitute, verse 16 says, came before the king and stood before him. I, I just need you to sit there for a second and, and think about what this passage is saying, that a prostitute gets an audience with the king. I, I don't know about you, but I was scratching my head when I read this. I'm, I'm going, how does a prostitute get before the king. Shoot, not only is one prostitute there, but two prostitutes get before the king, the king of Israel. How does that happen? I was watching Becoming earlier this week, the Michelle Obama Netflix special attached to her book. And I can't imagine being able to just walk up and get a meeting with President Obama. I can't imagine that, but that's exactly what the prostitute in the passage does. She gets before Solomon. Can we agree that Solomon is probably busy? He is guarding the borders of Israel. He's balancing the budget. He just shifted transition from King David to King Solomon. He he is now looking over the temple being built and all of the busyness that was going on with Solomon. He has time to get on his agenda a prostitute. And I want to go a little deeper with this idea that she gets before the king because the king accepts her. That the king allows her to come before him. And when I read this, I was going, okay, who else? Maybe this was Solomon's thing. Maybe he just liked to meet with everybody. But the other person I see meeting with him, if you go a few more chapters later in 1 Kings chapter 10, you see the queen of Sheba before King Solomon. That makes sense to me, a notable person, a person of stature and, and status. That person getting before the king makes sense, but a prostitute 
is able to get before the king. And here's what I know when you do some research on prostitutes getting before King Solomon, that's not just a call on the phone, let me get a meeting. No, she would have had to press her way through different levels in order to get up to the king. In other words, she would have had to meet with lower level leaders. She would have had to meet with court officials. She would have had to meet with judges to finally get her case to be presented before the king. In other words, as a mother, this is a good model because she is persistent. This mother is pressing her way. This mother is persevering through all of the levels in order to get to the king's ear. And let me stop here and slip a word to all of you mothers that are piped in. Keep pressing your way. I know you tired of showing up at the parent-teacher conference. I know you tired of going to the principal's office. You tired of going to the doctor's office. You tired of going to the auditions. And maybe it's just you and you've been running and you've been toiling and you've been pressing, but you jumped on for me to tell you to keep on pressing. Why keep on pressing? Because you don't stop until you get to the king. She gets to the king. In other words, do all of the meetings you have to do, but make sure that you get an audience, not with King Solomon, but with King Solomon's king, the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Don't stop until you get to prayer. Don't stop and do all of the stuff that you're supposed to do, but do not stop. Press your way until you're able to get an audience with the king. In other words, don't stop until you're praying for your child. I I love the song, uh, My Mama Prayed For Me. She had me on her mind. She took the time to pray for me. I'm so glad she prayed. I'm so glad she prayed. I'm so glad she prayed for me. And hear me and hear me well. Many of you that are piped in right now, the only reason that you are still alive today is because you had a mama or a grandmother that was praying for you. Somebody right now should just be saying amen to that. Somebody prayed for you and I can guarantee you it was your mother. This prostitute presses her way through different levels. Persistency. She presses in order to get to the king. Persisted, yet a prostitute. Persevered, yet a prostitute. Pushed, Yet a prostitute. Y'all see what I did with those peas right there? She's pressing her way. She is grinding. I know motherhood sometimes isn't a, a rewarded, but keep on pressing. Can somebody do me a favor and just help me to preach? Because ain't nobody in this room. Help me to preach and just say, keep on pressing. Keep on showing up. Keep on working. I know it feels like it is all unseen, but be persistent as the mother in the text. In order to get before King Solomon, she would have had to press. She would have had to bring her case before so many people. And her persistency tells us something very important about motherhood. Motherhood means you have to push. I know you're tired, but keep on going. Now, before she, when she gets before the king, she's not getting there silent. She doesn't get before the king and then have nothing to say. Watch what she does. Verse 16, then two prostitutes came before the king and stood before him. It says, the one woman said, oh my Lord, this woman I, and I live in the same house and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day, after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. Please don't miss this. And we were alone. 
There was no one else in the house. Only two were in the house. And this woman's son died at night because she laid on him. In other words, she accidentally suffocated him. And then it says in verse 20, and then she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid the dead son at my breast. Here's what's comical to me. What makes this mother think that this plan will work? What makes her think that she can bamboozle the real mother into thinking that the dead son was hers? When I was reading this, I was going, well, the, the two children had to look alike. That they had to resemble each other. They had to be identical in some way. In other words, you can't take a, a, a child with an infant with light brown eyes and another one with dark brown eyes and then switch them. The mother, you would, she would have known that that wouldn't have worked. You can't take a light-skinned baby and switch it with a dark-skinned baby. You can't take a baby that has no hair and a baby that has full of hair and switch them. The babies had to resemble, which tells me one or two things is at play in this passage. Either the two moms, the two prostitutes are sisters. Very, very likely that they're sisters. They, 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 they might have just grown up together and circumstances have allowed them now to be uh, in this occupation of being prostitutes together. That could be, the text doesn't tell us. Here's the second thing that could be at play. I, I don't know, are y'all with me on this? I don't know if y'all thinking the second thing that I'm thinking. Maybe they share the same baby daddy. Maybe they got, I mean, they are prostitutes. Maybe they shared clients. Maybe customers came in and they shared customers. We don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't tell us they're sisters, nor does it say that they're sharing the same baby daddy. Those are assumptions. But here is what is not an assumption, that the father is not present. Nowhere in this passage, I told you to make note that it says we were alone. We were alone in the house. There is no father present. In other words, this is a single mother. Let me just slip a word right here for every mother that's piped in that is a single mother. We honor you today. We celebrate you today. We celebrate your sacrifice. If you were raised by a single mother, you should press pause. You should come back to this sermon later and get on FaceTime and get to call your mother, talk to your mother and just say, man, I'm grateful for you. I know it was hard. I know you had to make ends meet and that wasn't always easy. I know you didn't always have the time to help me out with my homework, but you're a single mom and we celebrate you today. The woman in the text, the two prostitutes, that there is no father present. There, there is no father in the passage. This also is a word for us men. Brothers, if you on here, listen. This is why we must become spiritual fathers to those that are in our community. It's no way you can see a single mother that is struggling to, to make sure that her child is being brought up with character and with integrity. You can't see that and walk by that. No, you got to enter into that life. Who's going to take him to the basketball court? Who's going to check in with him to make sure that his grades are going the right way? Who, who's going to check in to make sure he's not watching porn? Who's going to check in? Who's going to assume the role of spiritual father and assume the role of spiritual father without trying to holler at his mother? I need somebody to type in the chat right now and just say, amen, don't holler at me. I just need spiritual fathers in my son's life, in my child's life and I love that the text shows us that this woman doesn't have 
any father present because it says to me that if you're a single mother, you can make it. You, you, it's, you, you gonna be, you, we gonna be all right. You, you're going to make it because Jesus got you held down. She's before the king. She's a prostitute. She's before the king. But something else interesting happens in verse 21. The Bible intently says that when she gets the, 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 the dead child that's not hers, it says something so interesting. Verse 21 says, she looked at him closely. In other words, she was well acquainted with her baby. She knew what her baby looked like. She probably knew exactly what he looked like. Maybe she was familiar with his smell and the softness of his skin. Maybe she knew the sound of his cry, but she knew what her child looked like. And this is another sign of a good mother. This is a good role model for us that mothers know their children often better than their children know themselves. I need somebody that know that you couldn't pull the wool over your mother's eyes and say, my mama knew me. You ever tried to talk to your mother and you tried to lie to her and tell her you were somewhere else? And she's, nah, I, I know where you were. That there is an intuition in mothers. This is why my sons, man, <laughs> sometimes my sons will, uh, my wife will try to challenge my sons and get them on character issues and, you know, things that they could do better and they'll push back. And I'm like, yo, trust me, you don't know it yet. But mama knows you better than you know yourself. That there were times where I tried to lie to my mom or I said, man, this is where I was. She's like, nah, that's not where you were. You, you were actually here because God has given mothers a unique intuition to know their children. The text just says that she looked at him closely. This mother knew her child. She examined him and immediately knew this isn't mine. This isn't my baby. But then it goes on after it says that she examines him. The story goes on that they get before the king and they say, when she did that, the, the, she switched the babies, the dead babies hers and the, the living one is mine. The other one said, no, 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 the living one is mine and the dead one is yours. And the king said, okay, I know what I'm gonna have to do. Somebody go get me a sword. They finally go and get King Solomon a sword. And he says, I'm going to divide the child and have such wisdom. Because King Solomon knew that once he said that, that the real mother was going to stand up. And so the real mother said, no, 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 no. Don't divide the baby in half. Give her the child. The other mother said, no, no, no. Divide him in half. You take one and I'll take the other. And the king immediately knew who the mother was based on the mother's response. Please don't miss this. Underneath of what is happening in the text is the mother was willing to sacrifice her desires and her wants in order to make sure that her child was safe. It's another good a moment where we get to see the role model of a mother because real mothers sacrifice their wants for their child's needs. I can't tell you how many friends I grew up with and, and mothers picked careers over them. Uh, mothers, real mothers don't choose Balenciagas over their children, over their, over their summer tuition. Real mothers don't choose girls' night out Instead of staying home to make sure that their child isn't failing. I, I, I don't know if you're picking this up, but this mother here is sacrificing. And that's what motherhood is. Can y'all do me a favor? Just type in somewhere in the chat room. Real motherhood is a life of sacrifice. 
You sacrifice your desires. And that's why I want to celebrate you moms today because every mother I know sacrifices. Epiphany, shout out to the mothers. Shout out to all the moms that I know that are a part of the church. And I've seen the grind. I've seen the sacrifice. Shout out to you today. She said, King said, divide them. She said, no, no, no. I'll sacrifice my desires in order to make sure that my child is okay. And this is the moment. Don't miss this. This is the moment she graduates from being identified in the scripture as a prostitute and now being called a mother. Did did you pick that up? In verse 16, it starts out by saying that two prostitutes were before the king. In verse 27, it ends, and I told you to underline it, by saying she is his mother. In other words, what is happening here is... She's being identified and being, uh, uh, we, we are able to remember her based on what she did at the end, not what she did at the beginning. We are not identifying with her based on her mistakes. We're identifying with her by just being a good mother. When I was a kid, I remember this story, hearing this story. Whenever I heard the story when I was a kid, I actually never knew she was a prostitute. I only knew, when I heard the story, I only knew that she was a good mother. But, but, but I realized what she does as a mother is more memorable than what she did as a prostitute. And maybe that's consistent with some of the mothers that is in your life. Maybe your mother made a mistake and you ain't talking to her or she, you know, she did you wrong when you were a child. You should call her today and tell her you remember the good memories more than you remember the negative ones. In this passage, we no longer know her as a prostitute. We know her as a mother now. And so you should call mom today and say, listen, I know we ain't reconciled. I know we had our differences, but I choose not to remember the negative that you've done. I only choose to remember the positive. She no longer is called a prostitute. Verse 27, she is now called a mother. Every mother on here has made mistakes. I don't care how good of a mother you are. You've made mistakes in your parenting. But what we can't do as children is hold the mistakes that our mothers have made over them. What we really need to do is say, I I choose to remember the good stuff. I choose to remember the sacrifices. I choose to remember the nights that you stayed up to make sure that I was okay and praying for me and making sure my homework was done. I choose to remember those because oftentimes those outweigh the negative moments. We allow the negative moments to outweigh the good ones, but we shouldn't. Let's choose to remember the good memories today. Maybe your mother passed and you never got a chance to reconcile and you're struggling right now, even as I'm preaching. I feel you struggling with how, how do I reconcile this situation? You should be at peace and start to remember the good situations and the good uh, events that your mother has produced in your life. Listen, this woman gets before the king. I, I, I want to promise you something. The king right now, the king of kings is available for you right now. If you're a mother that's struggling, you're struggling with motherhood or you're struggling with a relationship with your mom or spiritual mom, You should take that before the king today. And the king cares. You know how much he cares that he was willing to die for you? The king, and that's what I love. Even in Christ dying, he remembers mothers. Remember in John chapter 19, he says, woman, behold your son. 
And son, behold your mother. Jesus cares about motherhood. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you've been struggling with your motherhood or you've been struggling with a relationship with your mother. I, I want to pray for you today because I realize how hard fa family issues have a way of just sucking the life out of you. It can be redeemed. It can be restored. That can happen today. Father, I thank you, oh God, for every person that's piped in right now, every mother that's on here that has sacrificed their lives for the betterment of their children. Thank you for them. Father, would you restore the years that the canker worm has stolen? Those years of dysfunction in our family's life? Lord, would you restore that and do a work in their lives so that we can bear the fruit of the gospel. The gospel is not just horizontal, but the gospel has to be vertical. It has to impact our relationships. And so, Father, may this word not fall on deaf ears, but may it transform our thinking. May it transform our hearts. May we be more acceptable and, and, and allow restoration to be an intricate part of all of our relationships. I thank you for every mother, oh God. We celebrate them today. We honor them today. And we do so because we know that you honor them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, it's good hanging out with you guys. Again, I, 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 I hate preaching alone by myself. I look forward to the day that we're able to gather again. Until then, please be safe. Do not let your guard down. Do not get too loose. Keep your mask on. Keep your gloves on wherever, what, wherever you are in the world. Please make sure that you are being safe. Um, I'm going to end with this benediction, but before I do, don't forget next 15, get off of this and hop right on the Zoom call so we can hang out for 15 minutes and celebrate moms a little bit more. Here's a benediction, pronouncing a blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's so good to hang out with y'all. Grace and peace.